right, so here we are. Welcome to uh, our church podcast. Yes. So this is this is some for those of you who don't know, uh, this is something that we started. Uh, I want to say like four months ago, something like that. It was during the pandemic, right? And uh, this is something that we wanted to try out. So Francis and I did a couple episodes. We actually did eight episodes. That's why I'm saying this is this is episode number nine. Okay. Um, and the whole idea of it was um, to be able to sort of get an inside look for people to be able to get an inside look as to like the inner workings of the church, who we are as people and stuff like that. Cause it's almost like, um, like I don't know anything about cars or mechanics, right. you know? So it's almost like opening up the hood, looking inside. Neither one of us do, just so right? you know. <laughs> so sometimes it's not pretty what you see. Right. And sometimes it's great. And so, um, so what I wanted to do now as we, uh, you know, just sort of continue uh, doing this podcast, we took a little break because it was chaotic, just, you know, right. reopening and all that kind of stuff is uh, I want to, to open up the conversation, not just, you know, with Francis, because the right. goal was never for it to just be the two of us, um, but because it's a church podcast and for mm-hmm. people to be able to get to know the staff and get to know, you know, some people from our church. Right. And so if you guys uh, don't know who's in front of me, which is probably more the opposite because, you know, you're part of the inventory of the church. The inventory. <laughs> You've been around here for yes. such a long time. Uh, but this is Pastor Mark, and uh, he's been, you've been here for how many years? Okay, so I got here. My dad took a job back in August of 1973. Wow. I was born in 75. So Dude, I know. So, okay, birth. so there we go. So I'm okay. older, been around longer than you. But although since then, I've been here the entire time, except for a seven-year period when I left to go do some internship and work elsewhere. Okay. And I came back in this role I'm in now, January 1st of 2004. So I've been back Perfect. like, what was that, 17 plus years? But I had been here like 23 years growing up here, right. serving, and a little bit of paid staff before I left, doing junior high. Okay. So okay. like 40 years, one way or another, directly connected. So you've been around for quite a few years. Yeah. Right after the building, I think, went up. Wow. I came in. Because so. our, church, our church is 150 years old, uh-huh. but we've been in different locations no, we've been here on this corner, like in this area. We've had different buildings. No, no, that's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But we've been on this site, this property so the whole time. I, th- I think something that would be interesting for people to hear would be just kind of a history of the, uh, not an extensive history of okay. the church, but just kind of like, so we talk about 150 years. Right. What does that mean exactly? What are some... Some things that you can, because one, because one of the things that, that Pastor Mark does at, at our church is he um, does what we call the growth track, right? And the growth track is basically a introduction to who we are as a church, uh-huh. what we believe, uh, how to get connected, and stuff like that. And so, part of what he does is he walks people through a little bit of the history of the church, right? So that might be interesting for people to hear who don't know, because we're we're we've been around for a long. Like I don't know any other churches, right? From our movement that have been around as long as we have. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'll give a, a condensed version sure. of what I do at first week of Growth Track. That way people still come and get the rest of the story. Yeah. Uh, oh, but true. yes, uh, so 1869, so a little over 150 years now, um, this church began on the first Lord's Day, as our history book says, of 1869. And so uh, that's when they had a meeting, and it has been here on this corner, this this acre of land this property this entire time different buildings have gone up and down and number of different pastors have served in here and you are coming up on two years, two years. at the end of this month dude it's crazy it's not like we haven't had anything going on since it's you've crazy. gotten here it feels like i showed up yesterday 
<laughs> to be quite honest. And, and what do we always say, dude? It's just, it's like, well, at least it's going to get easier. Well, because yeah, that's the one. That's the thing we've said over and over again. Like when I, so when I got here, we were finishing off the um, so 150 year celebration was right. one thing. You know, one one big uh-huh. thing that we wanted to get through, and uh, we're finishing up uh, the you know the building campaign right. or the renewal campaign. And the thing that we would always say over and over again, and we're laughing because the things that we would always say over and over again is like, let's just get through this, yeah, and then we'll get back to normal, right? And then we can get to normal, and things will slow down, and we can. So, th- so we've learned, we've learned that we shouldn't ever say that again, because that's what we said after the 150th. That's what we said after we finished, um, you know, the building campaign, and then all of a sudden COVID hits. COVID hit. Right? We've had all sorts of ups and downs and everything since. So, yeah. anyways. Uh, Congratulations on almost two years. But anyways, <laughs> two of the 152. So it, uh, so the church began and a number of things have gone on. But yeah, as you mentioned, uh, there uh, there's a, a group of churches. Uh, we are part of the restoration movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always tell people not to be confused with the reformation, reformation yeah. but the restoration. And we're an independent Christian church. And as far as those go, to our knowledge... And we kept saying, when the 150th celebration comes up, when we make this claim, if somebody hears it and finds out we're wrong, they're going to probably prove it to us. But nobody did. So I'm still sticking with, I think we are the oldest restoration movement church, at least in Southern California, Mm -hmm. maybe even throughout the state, because nobody else stepped up to say, oh, actually, we're a couple years older. There were some that were started before us, Mm -hmm. but they've since closed up, gone away, and I think we're the oldest of the remaining uh, ones out there, kind of like the McDonald's here in town. It's like the oldest remaining of all the originals. And so uh, really the story kind of goes from what I'm hearing it was there was uh, like three main things that kind of took place during uh, this, this period where our church began. Uh, one of them was really the formation of, uh, you know, this restoration movement was going on. But back, if you remember, in the mid-1800s, there was gold out west. And so people were coming out like around 1849 to start to come out to this area to see what's going on. You had the end of the Civil War. Mm. And the end of the Civil War, you know, ended as it did. And the South was really decimated with their property, their lands and everything. And there weren't a lot of places for people to go home to. Mm. But there was a lot of this restoration movement and kind of Christian churches in that area. So people were looking for a brand new start. So they started coming out this way. And then a little bit later on, you had the, um, the, the, the finishing work on the Transcontinental Railroad, which was able to bring people from East Coast and West Coast back together. And all within about a 25-year period, all those things came about, which made traveling out to California a lot easier and really uh, exciting to people. So they started coming out. And Downey was this area that was... Uh, fertile land it was purchased by a man named downey who ended up being the governor of california during the civil war interesting and they came back down after that to develop it but downey was the last uh like stagecoach stop going into la which was the booming port city outside here if you go out like over on third street over there in paramount where you've got the mansion that's out on the corner there's a historical marker that was like a one-day travel from here into la which is why downey kind of became popular so all that was going on and then people back in the east coast went hey this area downey's booming we got to start sending churches out there and so in about a 25 30 year period there was about seven major churches and denominations that came out and planted and those are the ones that are all up and down downey avenue out over here Mm. that we see all time we're like all within about 20 years of age but that's how we got here that's amazing uh, it is and that we're still here as well as a lot of those churches Mm. still are 
And so they landed out on Downey Avenue or the new street in town. And mm-hmm. here we are 150 plus years later. That's so amazing. I feel so honored to be a part of that history. You know, I always feel kind of overwhelmed when I see my picture uh-huh. with all those other pastors. I'm like, I don't know if I should be there. I mean, it's like, I feel like the weight of the responsibility. I mean, at the same time, it's just, it's a huge honor. It's a huge privilege, but, um, it is crazy. And I remember when I got here, like I said, I was eight years old and I remember looking at, I remember we had just missed the 100 year anniversary. Okay. And I remember cause my dad was telling me about it and, uh, I re- can re- com- remember coming in and talking to people and seeing a lot of our older folks at the yeah. time. And I remember thinking to myself, I wonder if they were here when the church started. Like, oh, I thought right, they were right, well right. over 100 because they looked old. <laughs> and I realized now I'm one of those old people that the young people are looking at going, it creeps up has he you, been man. here forever? That's so crazy. Well, that's the thing about age, too. I mean, it's like, you know, we've we've talked about some mm-hmm. of our physical, you know, things that we have going on. You know, I have now, my, you have I physical have... things going on, dude. I got no issues at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> So we got, I got a broken, not a broken toe, but I got an issue with my toe. You got something going on with your, with your knee and stuff like that. We're like, it can't be age. No. It has to be something else. There's got to be something else. I can't figure out what it is, but. Yeah, but it's so crazy. Uh. And that's one of the things that, you know, cause, cause you're in your fifties. I'm in my forties. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go into my, I mean, be 46 in, in September. But one of the things that I always think about is the next generation. Yep. You know, because I feel like part of our job, our responsibility, of course, is to pastor the church. That's, that's our main responsibility. But at the same time, is to make sure that, this, that we keep this thing going. Of course, right. Holy Spirit, God is going to do everything. But part of our responsibility is to keep this, this thing going. Right. You know, we have the, the momentum of 150 years. And part of the, the, the weight, responsibility, and privilege is to make sure that this, you know, keeps going. And so... Um, you know, what are some of your thoughts on, you know, the next generation and right. what our responsibility is with that? Cause we've got a bunch of like young people in our church now, which gives mm-hmm. me a lot of hope. It's a little chaotic, right? We know that, uh, they need a lot of direction, but it also brings a lot of hope for the future. Absolutely. Well, and you know, I think talk about the 150, it kind of goes back to that. Yeah, we were celebrating our 150th and we wanted to refresh our campus. It needed it. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is it wasn't just for that celebration. It was to say, let's get us into this next phase yeah. of what's going on. And not that the 150th was definitely a page turner. I mean, God does what God wants to do, and the Holy Spirit's going to work however. And if they want to close the doors, I don't care how much paint we've put on the walls. The walls are going to come down. That's right. So I'm not worried about that one. But until such time, we've been asked to take care of what we've been blessed with. And yeah. so we have. But part of it was to say we want to dress it up so as to reach that next generation because you're right. The older we get, our bones start creaking like the building does, (laughs) and we're like, can't keep doing this. But a new generation will come in, and so if they find the facilities exciting or they find, better yet, the teaching when they come in, something that is practical and and life-changing, but we felt like we had to get them to at least give our building a chance. Mm. And so as they're coming in, and COVID has taken a hit there too, so we're looking forward to families stuff coming in, but what a great place to come in and learn and to worship and to learn about God so that they can develop a love for Him and a relationship with Him the way I did as a young kid growing up, or as you did. It's not that we haven't had our issues as we got older, but we come back around to that. Mm. And so I want to do what I can to make sure that I'm not just taking care of enough people to cover next Sunday's attendance, but that we're taking care of this after we're long gone. Because I've had the uh, fortunate chance, and like you, as we're going through the 150th, to go back and look at some of those old directories and to look at some of the old bills and to look at all the stuff. And I'm like, 
people have been doing what I'm doing and what you've been are doing now yeah. for the last 150 years. That's right. And that's the reason we're even here now. Yeah. It's not just because we came on the scene and wow, look what we did. Yeah. It's what all these people did. And I remember a lot of those names and I thought down the road, I'm just going to be another one of those names, mm-hmm. uh, pastor Mark or whatever. Right, right. But I want this to be a place that they're not worried about pastor Mark. They're just, they're connected to God. Yeah. And if I can keep the building standing a little longer and looking yeah. great and reaching more of the Downey community, I'm excited about that's that. That's so cool. Cause one of, one of the things, like I'll be honest with you, one of the concerns that I had at first was when I when I was just looking uh-huh. into this possibility of this job, I, I thought this is what I thought. I thought 150 year old church, they're going to be looking to the past. Like that's their their focus right. is going to be just keeping things the way that they've always been. Right. And so when I started interviewing and I started meeting you guys and I started you know getting a more inside look as to who you guys are and what this church is all about, I discovered that it's it's a church that has it's a, it's an old church, but that it's always looking to the future. Right. And that's probably exactly the reason why it stood the test of time because of that very reason to where they're always thinking about the next generation. Yeah, exactly. But there's always a little bit of tension. Oh, yeah. There's always a little bit of tension, and there's that tension between the, the wisdom of the people who've been around for a long time, uh, but also the energy of the youth. And so there's, there's that, that crossover to where you want the wisdom, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you don't want the wisdom to hold you back. You want the youth, but you don't want the youth to create chaos. So you have to find sort of that right. sweet spot in between. And that's kind of what we're doing now. So it's like the older we get, the wiser we get. But the wiser we get, the more we realize we don't need to be so smart. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, <laughs> but you're right. Because with the wisdom comes a sense of mm-hmm. how do I get everybody else or how do I get a younger generation involved and checked in? And, and look, I mean, we talk about this all the time. Just as individuals we do up as a church uh one of the harder things sometimes could be is to let loose of some of that stuff yeah because when you get dialed in you're like man this is a machine and we can get things moving and and painted and taken care of yeah and and run it which i can do i mean it's kind of parts of my job yeah but sometimes the harder parts of that is saying okay how do we let loose with some of that right. conversations you and i've mm-hmm. had about okay how do we do that and so the room may not be painted perfectly right, uh, right. what was your phrase you were using here recently participation or oh, what was but, it? but uh Oh yeah, yeah. I, yes, I would rather. Uh, I would rather pa- participation. Ra- particip- sorry, participation is better than perfection. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and so um, and and that is true. And we've noticed that. Like we kind of yeah. we got through that phase, but we want to get people involved there because the reason I'm doing this. I mean, you know. Uh, some of our folks, they're probably not watching, but I mm-hmm. mean, some people they've been around, I could throw out some names and names that some of our older folks would yeah. know, but over the years, there's three or four people that I'd say that were a part of this church and they were a Sunday school teacher or they were doing something else in a class that said something to me or mm. pulled me in to get something going. And that's the reason why I'm doing this here. Yeah. You talk about me and my history. Yeah. I had a gentleman, Scott, that's all I'm going to say. He knows who he is. Um, that that pulled me aside one time and said, uh, "Hey, can you help me teach the fifth grade class?" Uh-huh. And I said, "Sure." Like I was how, how in high school. How, I was in high school. High school. Okay. Just starting high school, like first year or so. And can you help me teach the fifth grade boys class? Yeah. We had boys and girls classes back then in our old offices. Okay. So where we're at now, we're the Sunday school classes. And so, sure, I can help him out. And I wasn't even a month into teaching with him. He told me he had a career choice and he was going to the police academy. He had to do that stuff and he was gone. And I was the high schooler left in there with the boys teaching it. And some of those boys still around. I talked to them. Uh, I see them now and then. But that's what got me going and hooked on this stuff. And other people on the way that helped me out. But just you get pulled in and you start serving and you fall in love with it. Mm. And uh, even though I didn't always want to be a pastor, like I fought God. But but still, anybody, once they get in and start serving 
falls in love with it when it's how they're gifted, which is another mm. part of kind of the growth track. Yeah. Come find out what you're good at or right. what God's given you right. so you can do it because I think that's how we stay around, stay plugged in, stay involved, yeah. and still love. That's so true because like when I, when I look at it, related to what we were talking about is the whole idea of, you know, these younger guys, they're like, you know, they're like 20 years younger than mm-hmm. I am, most of them, and I don't understand how they dress. <laughs> like, like, I'll just tell you right right. Right off the bat, like I look at Fran, and I've told him this. Like right. I'm not telling you anything that I wouldn't say. We all to say him it to him publicly, <laughs> privately. I'll say, dude, I've told him that, dude, you look homeless. Uh-huh. You know the way he dresses, um, and the reason why I say that is because is because I know that he's in style. Right, like that's the style, you know. And I look at the way I dressed when I was in my twenties. You know, I, I, I look back, I like, what was I thinking? You know, so I understand. And then the adults around me, they didn't understand how I was dressing, right. and so I guess that's kind of a parallel between trying to give people the opportunity to to move forward on things that are new but that we don't necessarily understand. Yes. You know? And so that's part of the the thing to where I try to to give a lot of grace and to understand to, to realize that we have a lot of wisdom in some areas mm-hmm. because of the experience, but then there's this other side that we have to sort of allow for them to do certain things that aren't sinful or anything like right. that, but that are not that, that wouldn't be my choice but that we get because we're part of a different generation. Right. Well, yeah. And you talk about clothes and we kind of laugh. I used my running joke with a lot of my family is they'll look at my picture and I'm like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I am wearing very trendy clothes. I'm just wearing them 10 years after they were trendy. <laughs> like in the picture, that's always the case. But, but in ministry, I think it can be the same way. Sometimes, I mean, we try to stay up what's going on, but the yeah. reality is by the time something becomes... Uh, popular, whatever, like there's this cycle going on and we can start doing something that's trendy or anything that anybody else is doing, but it could be years later. So sometimes it's just a matter of what is it some of our younger guys want to do and let them figure it out. Because even though we could say this is what is good and best for you, if there's some gray area, some wiggle room, it is much better for us to say, what is still right, but something you prefer to do, because if they're going to do it, they're yeah. going to keep doing it for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. That's right. Where we've got 10, 20, 30 left yeah. type of a yeah. thing. So and I think what we do is is we teach the basic, like the principles, mm-hmm. like the reasons behind why we do what we do and all that kind of stuff. But we need to allow for, we were just we were just talking about this before at our, st- at our staff meeting. We're talking about uh, how, how do we lead. So right. we can lead, there's, there's three ways to lead. One is mm-hmm. hands-on, one is hands-off, and the third one is hands-in. Mm-hmm. We got kind of yep. confused as we were unpacking it, even at the staff meeting. But the whole idea is you want to be hands-in, right? right? Hands-in meaning if you're hands-off, it means you hire someone and like, you know, see at the Christmas party, just go off and do your own. Yep. Um, and then a hands-on is like you're a micromanager and you're involved in everything. You're, in, you're doing all the phone calls, you're in all the meetings. So you want to have like a happy medium between right. the two to where you allow for the person to make mistakes, because that's mm-hmm. sometimes the way they need to learn and not try to protect them so much. It's like parenting. You don't want to try to protect them too much. Right. You want them to make some mistakes and allowing that freedom. But it's, it is tricky. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, yeah, it's always tough to watch. And I think you and I talk about it. I mean, we kind of point that out to each other now and then and yeah. try to pat each other on the back now and then when we yeah. actually get it right. But yeah. yeah, so getting guys involved. And I will tell you what, you mentioned Francis, but you mentioned our youth. And we've got a number of our youth that are that are involved and plugged in Sunday mornings mm. and do stuff that's yeah. been exciting because we haven't always seen that. Or there's been uh, maybe in the recent history here, it hasn't always been the case, but the more yeah. they're doing that, it's going to be a little more messy at times, yeah. or it's going to be a little louder at yeah. times, yeah, or yeah, it's yeah. going to be whatever. But we can live with that because mm-hmm. you know what? They're going to be the ones that are going to learn this 
and continue to lead when we're done leading. Yeah. And they're going to have to turn right around and lead the next one. Like yeah. I, said, I was that young guy at mm-hmm. one point. There's a lot of our folks at our church that were the ones leading me and allowing yeah. me to do it. And now I'm kind of in that role also, you know, yeah. trying to do that with others. So. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking about, I bet you have a person that you can look back at that gave you a, an opportunity or a chance or took a chance on you uh, even when you didn't believe in yourself. There's a few of them, like I said. Right? Yeah, the, the, yeah, like it. you were mentioning before. Huh? You know, we've got some people in there. Scott, you know, Ann is somebody here yeah. at our church that has done that. Uh, John is somebody still here at the church that mm. has done stuff like that. A former pastor, a former, actually two former senior pastors, mm-hmm. and even sort of along the way, but somebody named Don that used to attend here that all brought me in and said, hey, can you do this? Help us out. And I'm like, I don't know why you want me. Get somebody that knows what they're doing. And they're like, <laughs> no, actually, you know what? We want you to help us out with that mm. and get your feet wet. You make yeah. mistakes, but again, you get hooked on it. Do you remember your first sermon? <laughs> yes, and I'm not gonna, yes, um, yes. I'm not going to talk about that one here. Okay. But you always, no, it's yeah. always a little cringy, oh, right? Yeah. You think about it, it's like, oh my gosh, you know. But then there's that person that that knew probably that right. it wasn't going to be great, yes. but they understood that there's that learning curve, and you have to make some mistakes. Like I, I'm serious when I tell you, I will tell you off camera about that one. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because it was, yes, I, I do, and you know some stuff. But you're right. I look back at it, and I think I even still have the notes from stuff. And it was solid, but yeah. you know, just the presentation, it was, it was just more like reading a book, you know, oh, the man. thing. And I would, get, I would get so nervous. Like even when I had to do uh, like announcements like uh-huh. on a Sunday, like you know, doing announcements. I was an intern at a church, and that was part of what I did. Is I did announcements. Okay. And before I would go on stage, I'd ask my wife, you know, touch my back. She put her hand on my back, and it was just pouring with sweat. Dude, so nervous. I'm like, I always have this, you know, imposter syndrome? You know that, right? Yeah. Uh It's that feeling where, like, I should probably not even be saying this. (laughs) But it's the whole idea of, like, I feel like they got the wrong guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But then again, I've, I've shared that before, you know, even with the elders, and they're like, that's probably actually a good sign. A yeah. better sign than like if you got it all, like, hey, I'm the right guy and I got it all together and I have all the answers. You you're know? okay if God says you're all right if you got imposter syndrome. Yeah. You're in trouble if the elders say, we agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do have to tell you this. You talk about you, you're getting nervous. Because I've told you this before too. And even to this day, I've gotten better at it. But on a Sunday morning, for the most part, um, I, I get up in the morning. I don't eat anything because mm. I still feel the weight. Of that, it? Well, it's sick to my stomach. Yeah. Like, like it's just the nerves. It's yeah. the. I mean, and mm-hmm. I just pray every time. Holy Spirit, get me through this. But yeah. Lisa will tell you, man. We go to lunch mm-hmm. afterwards on Sunday. She's like, slow down because I'm starving <laughs> by then. But I have to tell you. So I went from here. I told you I grew up here. I did a number of min, uh, number of ministries. Went into um, youth ministry, and I left here to go to uh, another church. Uh, not Avenue Christian Church, which yeah. is a, a brotherhood church out by Knott's Berry Farm. And I had an opportunity uh, to do a baptism of one of my youth leaders. I was only out there maybe about a month and they want to get baptized. We connected. So into the the auditorium, which at that time seated over 900, I think. It was mm. like close to like three times the size of ours here. Yeah. Imagine ours, but then another section. You're trying to walk right. in. It was like, wow. wow. And it was a big raised baptistry in the middle and you're in the glass and you're talking and and I remember thinking, okay, what is it you have to say? You know, okay, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, or some versions will say Holy Ghost. And right, that's going right. through my head. Do I say Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost? What came out of my mouth in front of a full house was, no. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Smoke. 
<laughs> and I remember, I, did I just say that? And I baptized her anyways. We came out, and my senior pastor at the time, his name was Floyd. Just, I remember my office was right next to his. He came oh over after church. He's gosh. like, you know you said, holy smoke, right? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so how do people react? Did they notice that you said uh, yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, there's noise going on, yeah. but you're so nervous yeah. anyways. And you're in the baptistry, but you got more water running off your right. face because you're so nervous about it. I just, It's just one of those things. <laughs> all you can do is laugh at but Father, Son, and holy smoke, down they go. Oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah, there's so many, so many of those. You know, you look back at those and laugh, but in the moment you feel like you're uh, going to die. You do. You, you know? just you feel horrible because the last thing either of us and we talk about I mean preaching it, it's a wonderful wonderful opportunity but it's a calling yeah and there's the weight of that yeah it's not just oh this is something fun I get yeah. to do I feel compelled to teach and to lead and we know that we need to do that because last thing we want to do is make God or the Scripture look bad yeah and so when it's my ding dongness my foolishness yeah. that kind of messes that up it's like yeah. oh you feel bad but. God uses anyways. Dude, and thank, thank God. Thank God for his grace. <laughs> thank God for his grace, you know? Like, as I grew up, you know, we've talked about this. I grew up as a missionary in Chile, and one of the things that we used to do as a little kid, I remember going out in the streets, and uh, uh, we used the four spiritual laws, and we would go door to door, and uh-huh. we would preach the gospel. Right. And, I, and I had to memorize these lines. And it was such a, such a weight. And no one told me this directly, but it was kind of implied that the— eternity of the person depended on whether or not they would sign the thing uh-huh. or do the prayer or whatever it was. You nailed it. And so I had this, it was, and then the, so we would go out and do that for a couple of hours and then we'd come back and we share stories, right. you know, and then some people said, you know, five people, you know, received Jesus and then 10 people received Jesus. And I was like, I got no one, you know? Yeah. And so I felt the weight mm-hmm. of the responsibility feeling that the reason why this person is going to burn in hell for eternity is because I messed up my life. Because I didn't <laughs> but, get the, but the then spiritual there, laws in order. But then there's the flip side right. to where another person would think, you know, the reason why this person is now in heaven is because mm-hmm. I got the lines perfectly and because I did that, right? Right. So there's that weird thing of where, you know, there's the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get too deep like, right. into, into what the theology of this actually means, but there's... My point is, thank God for His grace that we right. can mess up, even when we're on stage. If our hearts are in the right place and we're doing the best that we right. can, you know, um, He'll fill in for all Absolutely. of our, you know, shortcomings, which are a lot of them. I mean, even right. even this Sunday, I shared a story where I was, I was like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I well, should have shared that or not. I hope it was helpful. Yeah, but you know, yeah, except the gas caps. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to walk outside and throw a few gas caps on the well, ground around people's cars and make them think it was you, but so I didn't. Many, well, so many people <laughs> gave me a bad time. And then afterwards, uh, Marcos, who's one of our mm-hmm. elders at our Spanish service, uh, he went out and took a picture of my car. I don't know if you, did you, did, I don't know if no. you saw that part. So he went out and took a picture of my car, my, li- of my license plate. He put it on the big screen oh, as, nice. uh, as he was letting people go, and he's like, uh, never park close to that car <laughs> ever. <laughs> and if life. you have a missing cap, yeah. you know what happened. That's right. You know, uh, well, you were talking about um, God just having mm. you know, grace with us, and yeah. I can remember um, a former pastor here, but somebody that uh, I had some classes with at Bible College, uh, Joe Grana, who a lot of people yeah. know. And, but him at one point saying to us, you know, in class talking, but just, hey, I want to let you know because you guys are going to fill pulpits, you're going to be preaching, you're going to be teaching, but I want to make sure that we're really clear on this and just keep in mind that uh, you are not a savior. Mm. Like, or people have a savior. His name is Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only one they need. And, and because he was talking about how as pastors, we get that, uh, that, that feeling and that, that strong desire, and then we carry the weight of yeah. when somebody says no. 
Yeah. Or when somebody comes to church and then they leave or yeah. whatever, you're like, no. And it's just like, look, it's not on us to have to save everybody. That's that's Jesus' job. Yeah. He took care of it. You know what you're doing. And if we make a mistake, I mean, I'm so apologetic. I don't know about you, but I'm praying to God. Oh, I pray that somebody else will come alongside. Somebody yeah. else will find that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I apparently, in my mind, messed up that moment that yeah. they had. So I pray somebody else fixes it later. Yeah. So I do see them in heaven and yeah. I might recognize them and apologize then. That's such good advice. I mean, I, I love Joe Grana. He right. was he was such a key person in the whole transition of me, oh, yeah. uh, you know, coming on as a pastor. He was an interim for, I don't know how long, how many months, year, maybe something like that. Oh, in that, yeah, at that time, if he'd been here a couple times, but yeah, he had yeah. been a year. And he gave me nothing but support. He called me on the phone. We met, he texted me. I mean, it was, it was amazing, right. but that, that's good advice because you're right. I mean, we have that weight sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so him saying, you're not Jesus, you're not the right. Holy Spirit, that's Jesus's job and there's only one right. and it's him. That's um, that's huge because I see that sometimes in pastors, we can feel the weight of, because we love people so much, like we want them to be saved mm-hmm. and we want them to find hope. Um, but at the same time, you know, God's not up in heaven and saying, hey, if Josh doesn't I talk know. to this person, I don't know what good I'm going to do. I, good thing <laughs> right. Josh is down there, got this <laughs> Like right? really banking on Mark to get this done. Yeah. Because I just think, you know, I, I think it's just one of those, at some point, you know, it's good job, mm-hmm. you know, well done, faithful servant when we do it right. Yeah. And if we didn't, we have to trust that God is sovereign and that somebody else is going to come in yeah. and take care of that one yeah. along the way. But it takes so much pressure off because we we recognize we're not just preaching out of a textbook. We're not yeah. preaching out of a the bestseller. We're preaching right. out of God's word. Yeah. And I don't want to ever mess it up. And I can laugh at the things I've done wrong, yeah. but only because I know God's got it covered yeah. when I don't. That's right. That's Period. Right. So Yeah. Well, on that note... <laughs> That was good. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, chapter. What's it? Chapter? Chapter four? Chapter, what do we say? Nine. Nine. So episode nine. Episode nine. Uh, we called it the Lockdown Podcast because we were locked down. Right. That was the name of it. We haven't really decided on that's if that's going to be the name or not. We'll see. DFCC Podcast, Downey First Christian Church Podcast. Anyway, it's our church podcast. And thank you for joining us. And we'll, yep. we'll keep this conversation going. And hopefully this won't be the last time. Good. And uh, are there any last words? That sounds weird. No. Any, any last what, word? <laughs> what do you want on your tombstone? <laughs> no, I just, you know, I, I, yeah, I guess I would just tell people, uh, come and be here yeah. and get involved. I mean, do the same, because at the end of the day, again, kind of going back to the growth track, the thing I would say is, um, if you're going to come in and, and you want to get to know God, then it's going to happen more than just sitting there, mm. get plugged in, doing stuff with people, serving and groups, all those things, because that's going to make a world of difference. Because yeah. here's the thing. I don't care who you are. Coming to church is always a good thing. Yeah. But the the storms are coming, as we know. That's They're right. always going to hit. Mm-hmm. And the more involved you are here and the more connected you are to other people and everything else will just help you weather that storm. And at the end of the day, because I've had horrible situations in life. But I wouldn't trade my relationship with with God, my relationship with this church family uh, for anything because I love it. And so I'd say get involved, get plugged in because it makes all of that other stuff worthwhile. That's right. That's right. All right, you guys. Thank you for joining us. See you next time. Take care.